Hi and welcome. This is Buffering, an island talks podcast with Esra Egin and Joros Kakouris. We're two Cypriots living and working in Lisbon and Brussels, bringing you dispatches from the alternate Cypriot universe. This week, the virus, like the Cyprus problem, doesn't let go. The return of the king, and things fall apart and the political center cannot hold. This podcast is not funded by the German Chancellery, Serdatin Tash, or the Greens, and definitely not Tico. Hello everyone, this is the Buffering Podcast uh, from uh, Island Talks. Esra Egin and Yorgos Kapuris are on the mics through Skype. Hello Esra. Hello Yorgos, how are you? Well, usually I'm still in Brussels and in Brussels it's summer and it's nice. But you yeah. are not in Lisbon, right? No, I am back in Cyprus for a short uh, period. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's both good uh, being back because, you know, I'm seeing all the family and friends and, and enjoying the, the beach and the, the weather and everything. But <laughs> it's bad because like it's you expect to come to a more improved uh, environment and both in politics, in terms of physical environment. And yeah, I came back back to a worsened environment and it's just like okay no 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 you can't have those expectations <laughs> because you'll be disappointed i'm having expectations now i'm expecting the buses when i come back because I'll, i'll be coming as well for vacations in a bit i'll let mm-hmm. you know i'm expecting the the buses to be better i'm expecting the weather to be better people to be yeah. more but yeah i know i'll be disappointed no, don't, so don't. <laughs> the only thing i won't be disappointed is the beach so i'll exactly and and definitely don't expect politics to be better because they uh, just keep getting worse and worse <laughs> but they're always going to be fun because we have some fun developments this week yeah we do don't we but for now i think we should uh, Perhaps start, I should tell you what's been happening today in the South. Today, there's new measures for the mm-hmm. coronavirus. Mm-hmm. Because we've been doing well, there hasn't been new uh, new incoming cases, that much incoming cases from, uh, from abroad. But the problem is that there has been new uh, transmissions within the community, as they say it scientifically, which means uh, new transmissions that need to be tracked and checked. The interesting thing, the background about this is that they first started appearing in Limassol. Okay. And they first started appearing among employees and people that had lunch or had coffee at some places on the marina. Oh. Uh, the, you know, the very the fancy, the fancy schmancy yacht parking space for rich Russians. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. I know if it... it. I have property there. <laughs> Oh, you have property which, there. Which I cannot have access to before the solution of the Cyprus problem. <laughs> well, wait for a bit because for now it's infected. They need to disinfect the property. <laughs> I'm sure it's uh, going to be a lot of rounds of pandemics before a solution. Before that. Oh, we have a lot of rounds of pandemics after a solution as well. Yeah. So what's been happening now is because of these new uh, new cases that have been appearing, not just in Lemassol, to be to be fair. The Ministry of Health announced today that a mask will be obligatory in uh, most uh, closed areas, such as you know shopping malls, banks, supermarkets, uh, nurseries, hospitals, and churches. 
And if you're caught mm. without a mask in the south, you pay 300 euros fine. By wow, the way. that's yeah. that's big. Yeah. And there'll yeah. be more there'll be more tests on airports and uh, there'll be more intensive tests by the police to anyone who comes to Cyprus from uh, countries in the third category, in mm-hmm. the C category, or if they have uh, close contacts with some of the cases. And also there'll be additional measures in Limassol now, okay. uh, which is interesting. Remember when uh, at some point in the past, when things started opening up, the EU and also the governments, they started saying, if there's a second wave, there's not, gonna, there's not going to be lockdowns everywhere. There's going to be... yeah regional measures and that's what they're doing now so okay. they're, they're saying additionally for Limassol the maximum mm-hmm. of people you can meet is 10 people mm-hmm. if you go outside for a coffee or in a park etc and if you go to a cafe then there's limits to how many people can enter those mm-hmm. areas so in a cafe or a restaurant there can be up to 75 people inside or 150 mm-hmm. outside independently of how big it is and okay. there also has to be social distancing within churches mm-hmm. and once again buses will have to only carry half 50 percent of their usual load of the usual amount of people they can carry mm-hmm. which okay. usually is not a problem in cyprus buses are not that full but in limassol mm-hmm. they tend to be more full because of the beach yeah you know, and they're they're a bit better at doing that yeah so we're getting back to that the interesting thing about local measures, and you might see that in the north if more cases start happening. Yeah. Uh, here in Brussels, in, not in Brussels, in uh, here in Belgium, mm-hmm. Antwerp has had more cases. And they started mm-hmm. imposing lockdowns only in that city first. And they might impose some in Brussels as well because there are some increasing cases. So it seems to be the trend now. As the second okay. wave seems to be threatening us, yeah. the drive is to start locking down and paying attention on a regional area rather than all over the country. As a whole, yeah. As a whole. So maybe you'll yeah. see that in the north yeah. soon as well. So what's been going on there? Well, I mean, you know, when I first came, I was very surprised because... Okay, I mean, there were very few cases and there were very few planes arriving. Um, but people were so relaxed. Like, you, you, I would walk into my hairdresser and everybody is like without a mask and I'm the only one with a mask and they're making fun of me and things like that. Um, but I, I think now with, with the increase um, in the number of planes arriving, we are seeing an increase in the number of cases. I think we are at 34 right now. Um, in total, but the, right? in total. But the good thing is that these are all arriving from abroad. We, we haven't yet seen any local cases developing. So, so you're still at that stage, which is good, which is why you're relaxed. I understand that Cyprus was, re- I understand that yeah. in the South, they, they were really relaxed until now because of this. Yeah, yeah. But then, it is. I mean, there is a big risk, and uh, you know, because <laughs> because we can't even keep the ones that are tested positive under control. Um, last week, a guy who came um, by plane was tested positive, and he was supposed to be taken into quarantine. He escaped. I have no idea how they managed to, like, you know, let him go. But he how escaped. Did he escape? How? Like he just escaped from the back door and of the hotel and uh, went took a got a boat ticket to Turkey and went back to Turkey but of course these are the things that make you lose control over who did he see where has he been like how long was he like on the loose before going to Turkey 
and he was in contact with people on the boat because you know so so we do these things and then we don't wear masks um i am i am kind of concerned about dark sides of the of the island but the good thing is that if it's caught you can because of a small population the north can probably control things a bit better yeah well let's see now there is a lot of concern theoretically theoretically, <laughs> theoretically. in cyprus everything is theoretically, theoretically yes. <laughs> now there is also um more concern because it is the, the bayram it is kurban bayram uh, until wednesday and we are expecting uh, more planes to be arriving from turkey and we are expecting people to be more around you know visiting each other going out to dinners with each other uh, meeting with each other so i think this is going to be a couple of days where we're going to see cases increasing uh, more rapidly than normal but the problem is if things increase this is something about we haven't seen the news and both sides talk about that much recently if cases increase in both sides we'll have new discussions about the checkpoints i'm guessing i don't know if there's any discussions about this happening right now i don't think it's in the radar because they're kind of open people can cross with the test even though it's a bit ridiculous but that you have to have a are they yeah are they open i think i feel very deceived like when they say the crossing points are open like requiring a test every three days every seven to two hours to cross is not really opening the crossing points like when i came i got a test done, I went for three days, visited some friends, now I want to go again, but I, I have to go back and have a test done and pay the money again and everything. Like, and, and I know many, many people, including Greek Cypriots, not only Turkish Cypriot friends, but Greek Cypriot friends, who refuse to pay that kind of money to like, you know, every seven to two hours to get their freedom to cross. I wouldn't say honestly i wouldn't say that the crossing points are open i think it's a big deception but for me the problem isn't only it's not so much if they're closed or partly closed or if there's restrictions in how to do things is the fact that there's no coordination to it there's no common understanding no. on how to do things maybe no. a bit more now i understand that the technical committee managed to finally get a report from the north they had a true discussion on this so Maybe they'll mm. be able to coordinate more, depending, I hope so. on, depending on how politics go. But yeah. by the way, politics in the South is in no way concerned with the coronavirus. They moved on to more fun things. Did you know oh, that there's, oh. did you know that there's another Vico split up happening right now? Really? When Vico <laughs> splits up, yeah. it's the most fun for a journalist because it's one of those news items that is full of recriminations and people bringing out all their issues, personal issues with each other and why they were overlooked on going on TV and uh, mm. instead of other people. And why did you put that guy as a candidate, not me? You know, all mm. the become mm -hmm. a part of the news and then they dress them in ideology so that they pre oh, pretend that there's okay. actual political differences. So yeah. what happened is that three MPs and two uh, high-ranking officials of Vico decided to split off from the party and now they're independents. The okay. reasoning they gave is that the party under Nicolas Padopoulos is run as a one-man show and he only promotes his friends. And there's a, they put forward issues how, I'm not kidding about the TV appearances. They send people to TV panels 
that shouldn't be sent. So, for example, okay. the discussion about the economy, instead of sending the president of the parliamentary committee on economics, the okay. one of the leadership for the party that's uh, close to the president, etc., etc., etc. And then okay. one of them, Angelos Votis as well, uh, was reminded of the federation and how, oh, and you're not, then the party is not uh, having a clear position on federation. And that worries me when he had never said mm. anything on it before. Okay. Yeah, suddenly, suddenly Vico members are like, oh, federation. That's what I'm saying. And it's <laughs> funny seeing, it's funny seeing, it's funny seeing them saying it. It's funny seeing people that are anti-federation or conservative accusing them of saying, oh, now you discover it. Maybe it's yeah, time I know, for right? the party. But the funny thing is that other people think that this is honest. Mm-hmm. And greet this as, ah, yes, finally, you show your true colors. Oh, oh, ah, yes, finally, pro-federation oh forces are leaving Vico. That's not what's happening. It's, oh it's power games. It's power games, And yeah. it's, all, it's all fun. The, yeah. part, the funny part of the power game is that, as Vico was implying, and we have no reason to disbelieve it, they're implying now that the government and Avero from DC kind of pushed them towards it in order to weaken Vico ahead of the parliamentary elections. Mm. Okay. And ahead of the flirt with Akel. Oh my god, yeah, tell me about the flirt with Akel. Is Akel really doing this to us again? Again? Well, they've <laughs> left it open. Oh my god. But what they've been living, they've left it open and the political gossip and the things that have been written is that Nicolas Padopoulos would get the presidency of the, of the parliament when it's time for the parliamentary elections. Mm-hmm. And then the then Diko could support the Akel candidate. And do we know? Do we have any names for Akel candidate or? No, no. They they are really careful about that. And there was this okay. whole gossip whether Andros Kipriano would try. And he's saying, oh no, he shouldn't be a party leader, even though there's other reports that he would like to, but he would mm-hmm. like to find a way to do it. Mm-hmm. So that's a whole open big question. Okay. Okay, but Akel Diko cooperation cannot be good news in any case. No, no Diko cooperation can be good news. I mean, when I say this, people, especially Akel people, they they start whining something to the tune of, oh, when DC is doing it, it's fine, but we can't do it, we can't get power. And I'm like, no, you cannot. No, No, actually, no, you can. But the problem isn't you going with Diko, is that anybody goes with Diko and submits themselves to the minorities uh, yeah. dictated positions. DC shouldn't do it and you shouldn't do it. Yeah. It's not about, yeah. you know. No, but okay. But but the two being uh, right-wing parties, DICO and DC, I mean, it, you, it, you can say it's more likely that they um, agree on things, on ideology, on policies, but like, how can Akel and Diko agree on anything? And well, you know, that's, a, that's the funny thing with Diko. Diko can play both both sides because Diko can be sometimes both nationalistic and pro-business, but also socially socially aware and lefty-ish. Oh, okay. I've, I've never know? seen that part of them. But it's in economics, <laughs> some, it's in economics and in social things and sometimes. Okay. So, Okay. They they take care to play both sides so that they can go with either side when they need to. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's so they so there. they can go both ways. My opinion is this: DC and Aguilar should just enter a coalition. This is something Diko are afraid of. Solve the Cyprus problem, and then they can after the solution they can fight about who did the coup and who blew up the exactly the things at Marie. 
continue to fight whatever they want to fight about. But yeah. first they should focus on the things that they actually agree on. I mean... Exactly. Exactly. But be, so because of the coalition, another aspect of it, in a way, a side effect of it, is that always when... Uh, you, you see it in the North, we have it as well. When two parties are thinking of a coalition, they test their strengths in other elections before. Uh-huh. So they're going to test their strength now in Aglanja, the municipality uh-huh. in Nicosia. Okay. Uh, because the mayor that was the mayor until a few months ago went on to become defense minister, so they have to do new elections for his replacement until mm-hmm. the the scheduled elections next year. So all of this, by the way, is for someone who's going to be mayor for one year. Okay. So Diko and Akela are, are both supporting a Diko member, mm. Costas Cortas. DC has its own candidate. But there was recently this issue happening in Aglanja. There was... There's a plan by the government to house migrants in in sensitive situations like unaccompanied children, people with uh, health problems, pregnant mm. women, etc. To mm-hmm. have them in an old psychiatric clinic in Alanja. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there was this, the usual campaign of collecting signatures by some concerned citizens that are not, not connected with the Lama at all. No. This campaign of, of citizens made an event to protest again outside where Elam showed up in full strength, of course, but of course it's not connected. It is just concerned citizens. And because it's really easy to for politicians to go along these things without thinking much, both representatives of DC were there and of Akel. Mm-hmm. Not, not of Akel necessarily, but of but the candidate. There was a big issue about it. And the only candidate that was really not for it was the one over the Greens, for mm-hmm. example. Okay. Okay. She she only said that I can only see that there's an issue if there's an issue to get the permits properly, but I don't have a problem with creating this structure okay. here. Okay, okay. And because of that, there's another social media bullshit storm, political storm happening now between Akel and the Greens, and Akel complaining that it's because you don't want to be with Vigo, and uh, ah, but and they were saying, but did you did you check her position on the Cyprus problem? Don't you think she's rejectionist? And she's like in the post, well, don't they know? Does Vigo know about this? You know? <laughs> I know, right? Is Vigo I now know. like pro federation? But to be fair and to be fair and honest, she didn't make a turn away though. She, she didn't make a position on the Cyprus problem. She's careful on this. But it is mm. true that Akel and Vigo are being hypocritical about this and this yeah. is on the side watch uh, eating popcorn and not doing anything by the way we have no polls we don't know how this is going to turn out it's going to be interesting to see whether the greens can get more of a presence because you know Uh they're they're promoting a popular and well-known person for the mayorship so they might get more than they more than they usually would and they they're trying to play on the fact that now the presidency of the greens has changed but this is gone after years and years and Mm -hmm. haralobosto bemtu the new one Mm-hmm. A lot of people noticed that in his speech when they started the discussions, he made no reference to the Cyprus problem, evil Turkey, and all that. He only talked about sustainability, green politics, okay. and all the things that he was elected as an mm-hmm. MP for, which okay. Okay. makes sense. Yeah. But the interesting thing there is that uh, pro-solution people saw this as, oh, now we have a pro-solution, candid- a pro-solution leader for the Greens, but that's not necessarily true because he hasn't 
vocal about his positions. We don't know what his okay. positions are really. I don't think, from what I understand, that he's really pro-solution in that sense. But he's not everything. Uh, he's not anti-solution. He's not a okay. strange nationalist. Okay. So it's a it's a nice indication, and it will and it will show us some things that the Greens do better mm-hmm. with these shifts. And if they mm-hmm. do better with shifts, we might see them step mm-hmm. more to a certain direction. And yeah. it will be interesting to see. But let's not forget that they're still a small party. Just yeah. the dynamics are interesting and they might exactly. go a certain way. Yeah. What about the dynamics in the North? Oh, I God. spoke too um... much. And also, <laughs> I know that there might, be, there might be coalition elections and things falling apart. Oh. And... oh, yeah. Things are always falling apart in the North. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about the private jet scandal, right? So that really became a big problem between the coalition partners, HP, Kudretos Arsai's HP, and um, the National uh, Unity Party, UBP, uh, Ersin Tatar's UBP. And then uh, a second blow came, and it was about the new rules in the Famagusta area for construction, for development. So the, the two coalition partners are not um, able to agree on, on the rules that will apply to the development of the area, to the construction of the area. Why and... though? Are, are there some interests playing there? Yes, of course, of course. No, no I, I was thinking maybe it's about ideology. I was hoping. Okay. Oh, no, no, no. It's not about ideology. It's not about protecting the environment. It's not about protecting the nature. It's about interests. Now we are expecting the coalition to collapse any moment because we are hearing rumors that there are already are negotiations in the background between other parties and UBP to establish, to, to set up a new coalition. And the most likely one seems to be one between UBP, Sardar Denktash's DP, and the ultra-nationalist YDP, which is not going to be nice. <laughs> so this three-party coalition, if it materializes, and, and we are also um, hearing rumors that the, the YDP, the ultra-nationalists, they want two ministries and they want in the interior ministry with uh, quotes or without quotes. <laughs> also because ideology. No, because because interior ministry is where you distribute citizenship to Turkish um, people, right? And this is how YDP will gain leverage, will strengthen its position. It will give more citizenships to more Turks that have come to Tur- come from Turkey. And it will then get more votes in the next elections, maybe even in the election to, to elect the Turkish Cypriot leader, because they have a candidate for the Turkish Cypriot leader. So the, the more citizenships they give, the more chances they have. So they want interior ministry. Um, so right now, you know, I think they're all being very busy um, negotiating who gets what and how many. And uh, we might wake up to, to the news of a new coalition even tomorrow. Well, you know, in a weird way, I kind of prefer if you have, again, purebred Turkish Cypriot, right? Serdar and Dubepe and, uh, and Arikli just not pretending to be reformers anymore with Kudret being all modern. Yeah. Right? It's a Turkish yeah. Cypriot, right? It's them. And they're going yeah. to try and be in power and they'll fuck up things in there. Exactly. Way. 
and what they say is what they do and it's not like Kudret who has come in as like a modern guy who was willing to solve problems and was you know willing to cooperate with the Greek Cypriots and he was going to open Varosha and he was going to he promised clean politics he was going to uh, deal with corruption bring all the corruption cases that involved the politicians to to justice he has done none of this and he has really lost a lot of credibility um, Ozarsai. Also, Ersin Tatar, yes, he is, as you said, a Cypriot bred Turkish nationalist. But, I mean, he has, he has done so many funny things that, like, I mean, okay, people like maybe humorous leaders and everything, but, like, this guy has become like a clown now. He's, like, nobody takes him seriously. So, a very cunning move was by Serdar Denktash seeing these two candidates lose face and lose credibility he went in front of the cameras yesterday and said i am going to run for the elections to elect the, the turkish cypriot leader because return he of, has seen yeah <laughs> exactly return of the king return of the king so he sees the the situation uh, that the right-wing leaders are in and he sees the, the chance and he seizes the moment. So now he's basically, yeah, he's going to run against Akunja. But could this break apart the, uh, the Turkish Cypriot right even more during the elections for leader? Because you're going to have three candidates or four that are related yeah. to the right and only two from the left. And exactly. there's always the possibility of Jettepe handing a bit of its political assistance to Akinji so he passes to the second yeah. round. That yeah. always could happen. It's a it's a known and tried Cypriot maneuver mm -hmm. that happens in the South as well. Yeah. So But but, but the interesting thing is that CTP also has positioned itself in such a way over the recent period that it can also get votes although I don't expect it to be much from the right. So he hmm. could be stealing votes that maybe before went to Kudret. Like people who were, you know, disappointed with all the right-wing leaders, they went to Kudret now. He's also a disappointment. Let's try Tufan because, you know what? He doesn't really sound very leftist. <laughs> he's leftist, but not in a bad way. So we can yeah, and he sees not really pro-solution either from what we are seeing and listening. So why not? <laughs> So no predictions on uh, the October elections yet. I see those well, polls. Well, there are but... some polls, but like um, it's very difficult to find any trustworthy polls, and I will definitely like bring them up when there there is like a trustworthy poll. But for now, it's like um, Ersin Tatar is having his people do a poll and Tufan is having his people do another poll, and of course, you know these uh, show results that don't necessarily reflect reality. But I still see Akunju as a very strong candidate. Oh, by the way, I should mention before we... I know I spoke too much, but Akunju no, has been... speak too much. <laughs> Akunju has been receiving um, a lot of death threats again recently. And um, he ah. made the post about this. And I think this is just... It's significant because it's... It reflects the, the tension between, because it, these are from like people from Turkey. 
or supporting Turkey. So it reflects the the tension that he has uh, with Turkish officials and Ankara. And we know and, that when that happens, usually that's a boost for yeah, Turkish Cypriots. It is. But you know, it's like it's starting to become serious and scary. Like there was this guy who suggested, you know, oh, there could just be a traffic accident. They happen every day, you know? So I I do get concerned about his well-being. But yeah, hopefully these will just uh, remain as threats and and nobody will try to do anything. Well, let's see what happens after October as well, whether... Whether if he's re-elected, both sides can take advantage of this to move really fast ahead and be done. Yeah. Because it is still possible. We will never lose hope, will we, Yorgos? <laughs> no, we'll try to have some sort of cynical hope. Yeah, I guess. Because it might be, you know, more in uh, more in some people's interest to get along with it rather than not. They thought that they would be able to. Some people in the south, I'm not naming names, living on uh, this government house that used to mm-hmm. belong to the British and now houses a government agency, you know, okay. called the presidency. Uh-huh. They might have thought that it would have been fine and that would have, uh, the Greek Cypriots would have been able to get all our gas and, yeah, right. and, uh, and make money without anyone bothering us. But now that they see that it's not that simple, maybe, no. maybe they'll be... Maybe. More willing to, to run I with hope it so. afterwards. I hope so. I mean, I don't want to put have much expectations from our politicians, but yeah. Well, the other thing that's interesting now is that Greece is losing patience with all this. Turkey is desperate, I think, and that's why... Not Turkey, Erdogan is desperate, and that's why he's doing all the things he's doing. So if he sees a way out in this one thing, perhaps. Yeah. And what's interesting, the EU now is completely run basically, by Merkel. Mm. And Merkel, once she wants something done so it's not in her way, she'll get it done. Yeah. So let's wait and see. Let's wait and see how Germany can weigh on this. You go, Merkel. We support you. <laughs> let's see. Let's see. This was it for this week. It was good to talk during, for the first time, high temperatures. Mm, yeah. So we'll leave you for now, for next week. Hopefully the next uh, episode or the, uh, one of the next ones will be with both of us in Cyprus, but maybe not in the same room yet because of social distancing and, and checkpoints. So take care. Wear your mask properly. Cover your nose. Cover your nose and don't give in to the cough. <laughs> Great. It was good talking to you, Yorgos. Bye-bye. Take care. Take care. Bye.